The UK Investor Magazine podcast is brought to you in association with Oanda, the broker of choice for traders who want a smarter way to trade. Trade with Oanda and get one year's subscription to TradingView Pro. 76.6% of retail investor accounts lose money when trading CFDs with this provider. You should consider whether you understand how CFDs work and whether you can afford to take the high risk of losing your money. Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into a number of UK equities as well as covering the key themes out there in markets this week. And to do that, we're very kindly joined once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Hello, John. Good to be back. So we're recording on a Friday this week as opposed to to a Wednesday, so we're going to have a bit of a wrap. Uh, up of the week and look at some of the uh, the key stories out there and uh, a number of equities that have been moving. So, Alan, to start with, I think from a UK perspective, the, the biggest news that we had this week was the Bank of England increasing rates by 25 basis points to 4.5% as expected. There were some very interesting revisions to their forecasts for the UK economy. If we go back to the end of last year, they were expecting and and forecasting a prolonged recession, albeit quite shallow, but they expected, I think, it to go on for for many, many months. But yesterday, they came out and said they've now revised those to the upside, and they're going to be looking at 0.25% growth for 2023 for the UK economy. And we will indeed avoid a recession. But what is quite interesting, if you look at the market's reaction to the release yesterday, that they have increased, if you're looking at interest rate futures, increased the terminal rate for UK interest rates this year to about 4.8%. That would suggest that the markets are expecting further increases in in interest rates. But of course, if you're looking at equity markets, Alan, what, what people are looking for here and really hoping for is the eventual reduction in rates. So I think the big question is here, and I'd like to get your your views on this, is do we have to see some fallout in the underlying economy? And do we have to see some volatility in markets before the Bank of England decides to cut rates? Yeah, I think we're at now, John. Um, of course, when the forecasts for interest rate rises were made by the Bank of England, England governor last year, he forecast them rising to where they are now, which of course is four and a half percent. So, um, so I think uh, overall, um, the the Bank of England have been pretty proactive, and also, you know, you, we could say the Fed has been proactive, and you know, perhaps also protectionist at the same time, which is quite normal with the US Fed. Um, but um, the certainly the Bank of England have been proactive in dealing with, with with these issues firmly. Of course, it's been pain for borrowers and, uh, and those with mortgages, because uh, those that are on fixed rates have seen the mortgage rates go up month by month. And it's been quite an increase. So you know, if you, you, you we've, we've seen in some, well, we, if you're borrowing on a standard variable rate, of course, you will have seen since this time last year your mortgage payments in some cases quadruple. So it, it's certainly been a, a painful process. But um, 
nothing that the Bank of England didn't predict. So we're now at that point. And I think uh, uh, the economists are now expecting uh, that, that, that uh, after the forecast, as you rightly said, of a recession, um, we'll no longer be seeing a recession. We'll see, in fact, a small improvement in GDP, 0.25%, which is, which is great news. Um, at the same time, of course, um, you know, the hope is that uh, we are seeing interest rates plateau at the moment. Um, there may be further rises to come. Of course, that will depend on how inflation uh, continues. And of course, uh, we're seeing inflation feed through into so many other areas now, um, you know, d- just costs, uh, costs per se across the board um, have risen. Um, and that those rises in, in themselves fuel uh, price increases uh, from suppliers and in other areas. So, so that the manifestation of that uh, probably has yet to complete. Um, but certainly, I think looking at the looking at where the economy is going in the medium term, I think if if we can keep a lid on things and we start to see interest rates come down. Of course, what that will mean is that uh, the banks and financial institutions that have been earning earning great uh, sums from uh, uh, funds on deposit won't be earning quite the same interest the amount of interest that they were. So that's a factor that you, we may see some fallout uh, in financial stocks, uh, particularly the banking sector. But, um, but certainly, I think that, that'll be good news for the UK economy as a whole. So in the short term, that's the only immediate fallout I could see occurring from uh, from from any reduction in interest rates, if and when they start. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, so looking at what's happening out there in the economy at the moment, we're 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 soldiering through, uh, so to say. You know, it, it's not particularly great out there, but it's not as bad as people had forecast. I think that's being represented. Not really in the FTSE 100, but in the FTSE 250, which is held up. We've seen a bit of a tick higher recently, but um, there is some catching up to be done there um, from the FTSE 250s. That's going to be interesting to see how that pans out for the rest of this year. Um, so we're going to move on now, Alan, and discuss the first company uh, up today, which is Rolls-Royce. They released their trading statement for the first quarter yesterday. Uh, we saw a bit of a dip in in Rolls-Royce shares yesterday. So what was behind that move, Alan? Well, it's a pretty uh, it's a it's a pretty good set of results. I mean, shares are actually up again today, but uh, as you as we were saying earlier, of course they did dip off yesterday and I think it's a a simple case of buy the rumor sell the news. And of course a lot of investors and institutional investors will have held on and maybe taken some money off the table and they're maybe looking forward um, and uh, uh, looking at the fact that the guidance remains unchanged, um, uh, you know, which to my mind, in the given the uncertain macro picture, that's a good thing. But uh, it was um, that, that nonetheless we saw that dip. But of course, shares are still trading close to year highs. Year highs so far of one sixty p. Trading we're back up to date just below one fifty p. One forty nine point one five as we're recording this. But it was a, it was a really good. Uh, update overall from the group so of course you've got the civil aerospace arm which of course you've got those eponymous uh, huge great engines that uh, are underneath the wings of most of the airliners that fly around the world um and uh rolls-royce expect um large engine flying hours uh to uh, they've recovered to 83 percent of 2019 levels and they expect that figure to remain between 80 and 90 percent uh, across the full year so of course the after sales and servicing of those motors is a huge source of income 
to Rolls-Royce. Um, in, on the defence front, uh, Rolls-Royce has been awarded key con contracts with uh, to provide nuclear reactors for um, a, a submarines, uh, for nuclear power submarines, and also to provide motors for the next generation or engines for the next generation of US Army helicopters. Um, and in power, of course, aftermarket services uh, uh, have seen high demand um, and uh, and uh, you know Rolls is very much banking on power systems to drive margins higher and of course um, contribute uh, substantially to to the overall performance of the group. So um, underlying profits uh, between uh, eight hundred thousand, uh, eight, eight, eight hundred million and a billion are expected on the year. Uh, free cash flow between um, uh, six six hundred to eight hundred million um, and very much weighted to the second half of the year so yeah shares were off 2.6 percent but really they recovered that already this morning and i think um i think overall you know if you're an investor in roles that's a, a pretty good outlook and uh, i'm sure given the macro backdrop we can probably expect the company to continue to to win further contracts um as the year progresses um so if i'm if i'm a holder of rolls royce shares i think i would continue to hold um but uh, but of course there are some issues and concerns over the balance sheet, uh, and the fact, of course, is that Rolls Royce doesn't pay a dividend at the, at the moment. So if the stock isn't paying a dividend uh, per se, you would then look for the opportunities for capital growth. And I mean, the 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 opportunities are limited at the moment. So um, so perhaps if the shares do pop a bit higher, you might want to take some money off the table and and uh, and uh, and bank some profits. But um, I think nonetheless, you know, Rolls. Role, the outlook for Rolls and the visibility for Rolls Royce is reasonably good, um, and I think, of course, if they did reintroduce a dividend, it would change the picture and the and the investor appetite substantially. So it's quite interesting to pick up on the travel element there of, of Rolls Royce. Mm. Of course, they're seeing the flying hours move back. I think it's eighty three percent of what it was before yeah. the pandemic. And you know, looking at Rolls Royce shares this year, they're up about fifty percent. And if you look across the the travel industry if you look at iag they're they're up significantly near the highs easy jets are up and um, so it looks as though in investors are expecting a strong summer for the for the travel industry i mean there was some news out very recently that the uh, dubai hotel atlantis was preparing for for a boom in travel and investing in in four new hotels across the world but just looking at the share prices of the travel sector and the travel ones listed here in london in the FTSE 350 do you think to some extent that this good news that we could see in the summer from a strong summer of people traveling and uh, you know getting back out on, on holiday is to some extent already priced in? Yeah, I think it probably is priced in because, because of course, you know, we've had this uh, relief rally, you know, post-COVID relief rally. And, um, uh, but there are still a, a number of other factors. But I think uh, there's a lot of uh, pent-up demand. I think, uh, you know, that a lot of money hasn't been spent um, on leisure. And, of course, that's gone into... Uh, you know, during during the lockdown, of course, gone into um, DIY and, and and household repairs. So, so, th but there's still, you know, people are, are, are dying to get away on holiday. So, um, I'd expect that demand to continue, uh, and probably, you know, we'll see we'll we'll, we'll see things re return to a slightly more normal pattern next year. So, is there much more upside to come? We're, we've probably seen the best of it, I would say, but. Um, you know, certainly back to roles. I think if roles do reintroduce that dividend, then there's a whole new reason for investors to earn the shares again. Indeed, indeed.
Perfect. So moving on now, Alan, we're going to look at a new issue, Golden Metal Resources. They came to market this week, I believe. Um, be good to get a, a breakdown of the company and how the IPO went. Well, it's been a very successful IPO, um, John. I mean, the, the shares are currently trading at um, at uh, just on the IPO price, so not a great deal of action, really. Um, but of course, it listed on Wednesday, raised 1.98 million um, and issued uh, at a placing price of eight and a half p. We came to market with a valuation of 7.1 million. And um, of course, key with this is the fact that um, the uh, the package of assets owned by Gold Metal Resources um, were spun out of Power Metal Resources. And uh, logically, you can see absolutely why, because the the entire focus of the company is in Nevada within the Walker Lane Gold Belt in Nevada, a package of projects there. The um, the flagship project is, of course, the Pilot Mountain project, and this is uh, this is um, a this is a a, a a project that has a Jork compliant resource already, um, twelve and a half million tons at zero point two seven percent tungsten. Um, Interesting to note comments from the chief executive Oliver Friesen that uh, that uh, at various events there they have seen interest from U.S. government delegates in the tungsten asset because of course um, there are that there are no tungsten mines per se in the U.S. So if Pilot Mountain has the potential to develop into that first in-house tungsten resource in the U.S., that will be hugely important. Given of course it's uh, it's um, its applications, both in defence and technology, so um, so that's really interesting. That that's the flagship project. Um, Pilot Mountain also has credits for uh, copper, silver, and zinc as well. That's uh, that's also very important. But um, I interviewed Oliver Fries and the chief executive last year, and we were talking about all the projects. And he was also really excited about the other three assets within the within the company, particularly uh, Goldcom the Summit. Uh, which he believed a silver and gold project, um, uh, which is which is uh, cited at the conference of the Getchell and Battle Mountain um, uh, uh, ge- uh, um, uh, geologists, and of course Battle Mountain is a, is a very famous uh, famous gold mine um, there in Nevada. Um, this is all uh, the, the the projects are also cited within an area called the Walker Lane Gold Belt, which is prolific in terms of production over the years. Um, Nevada is also a very mining friendly state as well so so it, it's, it's a very it's a very mature asset uh, or, or mature collection of assets in that regard also has um, uh, either side of the pilot mountain project the Garfield property which is a copper and, and gold project and the Stonewall property which is also silver and gold project and that is cited to the south to the southeast of pilot mountain. So um, Oliver and his team have come to market. Um, there are some great pictures floating around the, in, the internet of when the, the bell was rung at uh, the London Stock Exchange on Wednesday morning. A uh, collection of familiar faces there to those following the company. Um, and uh, the, the company's promised uh, an absolute avalanche of news flow in the coming weeks and months. So, you know, we're at a really exciting juncture. Uh, with this company, um, an awful lot to, to happen. And as I say, I think the the Pilot Mountain project, um, you know, investors will be looking for developments there just to see to see you know how much potential there is uh, for Pilot Mountain to become uh, a key tungsten producing asset for the USA. 
Indeed, indeed. And we will watch with interest how those projects progress going forward. And I'm sure one that we discuss on the podcast in the future. So we're going to finish off now, Alan, with a company here, True Spy. Now, just looking here at the, at the charts, it's, it's had a tough time recently and messy to some extent. Is there light at the end of the tunnel for this company? Well, there is. And um, I have taken, well, I've, um, should we say, been subject to some trolling on uh, Telegram uh, in the past week or so from things I've said about TrueSpine because uh, uh, clearly the people that uh, have decided to send me messages on Telegram um, are very much, uh, they're not up to speed with developments in the company and very much uh, believe that the board should be should should be uh, removed. Um, but um, I'm going to focus on, on what the company does first of all, and then I'm going to talk about the, the uh, talk about the developments because I did meet and, and uh, I did meet with the chief executive Lawrence Scott uh, yes uh, Lawrence Strauss yesterday, and we discussed uh, uh, developments. So um, True Spine has um, uh, it, it's it's engaged in. The, uh, in, in the medical device field with um, spinal stabilization devices. And the spinal devices market is absolutely huge, estimated to be well over $10 billion per annum and expected to grow at a compound average growth rate of some 3% all the way through to 2026. And um, Spine have three uh, key patented devices in this field, the Servilox screw-free spinal stabilization system that um, minimizes risk of vertebral injury. There's the, the laminoplasty uh, system, which it's, uh, it's minimally invasive in application um, and uh, basically frees up, the, um, frees up and expands the bony spinal canal, which relieves pressure on the spinal cord, which of course leads to, can lead to, to back pain. And then also the fascia lock system, which, um, which uh, features uh, which uh, uh, focuses on the lumbar and lower thoracic vertebrae, vertebrae, and again, it's a series of uh, it's a it's a series of mechanical screws and and uh, attachments that uh, that basically provide stabilization and support. So it's a huge market. The currently the company is currently seeking US FDA approval, but um, as you rightly pointed out, John, there is a there is a considerable amount of um, uh, 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 disruption within the company at the moment due to uh, the the recent board changes. But um, the board changes were brought about because um, uh, Lawrence Strauss pointed out to me that um, the uh, previous administration had done very little, if nothing, to progress the uh, to, to progress the FDA application, also to progress the business as a whole um, and they had uh, squandered the cash assets that were within the company so so that's um, the, the majority of that board were removed Lawrence Strauss came in he's dramatically cut costs already um, in his in the few weeks he's been with the company but um, the, the a bunch of shareholders have put in a requisition notice for a general meeting which will now be held at the end of Mar- at the end of May. Um, and this is to now remove Norman Lott, Nick Patel, Annabel Schild, and Lawrence Strauss as directors. Now, Annabel Schild is a long-standing uh, director of the company. Um, Nick Patel is a highly regarded uh, surgeon um, and uh, neurosurgeon, um, and is a 
is an non-exec director with the company as an honorary senior clinical lecturer um, at the Institute of Clinical Neurosciences at the University of Bristol, um, and also an non-exec director, Dr. Tim Evans, a former apothecary to Her Majesty the Queen, um, in, uh, um, and, and that's back, back in the early noughties. Um, Annabel Shield, a long-standing entrepreneur and investor, and she recently provided the company with a uh, with an additional loan to to keep the company going during this interim period while it uh, while it resolved these issues with the uh, with the general meeting and, and the requisition meeting, um, and uh, uh, also the group chief financial officer Norman Lott uh, um, is uh, is an experienced chief finance officer held multiple roles on aim listed companies over the past few years. But Lawrence Strauss in particular is um, is a real entrepreneur, and he's he's uh, he saw very quickly the opportunities here. He was um, brought in uh, on the recommendation of Annabel Schultz. so they're very very much working together as a board and as a team to resolve this issue. But um, the nonetheless, these directors have petitioned for uh, the removal of the board. That will be resolved on the uh, at the end of May, and then the company can move forward. Uh, they're progressing with the FDA, FDA application. One of the key issues that within TrueSpine is the ownership of the IP. Because the, the uh, IP was invented by a, a, an American uh, gentleman called Frank Bohm. Uh, he is the inventor. Um, he sold uh, the IP to TrueSpine some years ago. And the IP is now absolutely and well and truly held by TrueSpine PLC. That's irrefutable, and that's uh, that 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 is a fact. And the company can take that IP forward, and it owns the IP outright. So it's very important that uh, investors understand that. So, as I say, to sum up, John, we're in this uh, transition transitionary period. Obviously, the shenanigans have had that impact on the share price. We're now trading it at a penny, which gives the company a market cap of just over a million. But uh, in this marketplace, and with these products, the company has, uh, with US FDA approval, uh, an opportunity to be worth many multiples of that. So from the end of May onward, it's going to be a very interesting time for investors and shareholders in TrueSpine. Thank you very much. Interesting summary there, Alan. Of course, not uh, not a company for that faint of heart. So just to recap on the companies uh, that we discussed today, first up was Rolls-Royce with a ticker of RR. It was then Golden Metal Resources with a ticker of GMET. And we finished off there with True Spine with a ticker of TSP. Alan, thank you much for being with us today. Thank you, John. And thank you very much to everyone for listening. Bye-bye. This podcast was presented by Oanda, Trading View's most popular broker. Trade with Oanda and get one year subscription to TradingView Pro. 76.6% of retail investor accounts lose money when trading CFDs with this provider. You should consider whether you understand how CFDs work and whether you can afford to take the high risk of losing your money. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.